A real bodice ripper contains explicit, salacious, delicious, not safe for work content. Isn't that great? But no, seriously, listener discretion is advised. A real bodice ripper. 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 Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Edelion. It's such a beautiful place. Everyone's rich. Everyone knows my business. That's because you tell it to everyone. <laughs> I like to share about myself. I like tea and I like pearls. I don't know. I like a good cardigan. I do too. (laughs) Nothing is wrong. Nothing. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Please replace batteries. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, hello and welcome to. A, a real, real bodice ripper. ripper. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jesse. And, and today we're here to tell you a little bit about romance novels. We are a podcast that explores the delicious, guilty, and sometimes problematic pleasure that is found in romance novels. And today we have one that is sort of the latter. Um, it's problematic in a way. Well, not in a way. It's There's some weird there's some weird bits that we're gonna get into with this for sure and then it also is like a hallmark movie right (laughs) so if you like hallmark movies i think you'll enjoy this book exactly so today we're covering lavender morning by jude Devereaux. yay (laughs) (laughs) so um jude Devereaux. we'll we'll talk about her in a little bit but i'm gonna give a book description okay I'm yes, read tell it. me, tell me what will happen. All right, here it goes. Jocelyn Minton is a woman torn between two worlds. Her mother grew up attending private schools and afternoon teas, but she married the local handyman. Oh my goodness. After her mother died when Joss was only five years old, her father remarried into his own class. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> and Joss became an outsider until she met... Idyllian Hancourt or Harcourt. Ooh. Although Miss Edie. Exactly. Although she was sixty years Joss's senior, Miss Edie was a kindred soul who understood her like no one else ever had. When Miss Edie passes away, she leaves Joss all of her worldly possessions, including an eighteenth century house and a letter with clues to a mystery that began in nineteen forty one. Ooh. Mm-hmm. In the letter, Miss C.D. also mentions that she has found the perfect man for Joss. So, a handsome young lawyer. Ooh, lucky. (laughs) So far, this is, yeah. Um, Joss is shocked to learn that the mystery, the house, and the future love of her life are all in Edilian. That's the same name as Miss Edie. Yes. A small town in Virginia that Miss Edie never told her about. Hurt that the woman who meant so much to her kept so many secrets. Betrayal. Jocelyn moves to the tight-knit village okay, in an attempt to understand the legacy that has been left to her. 
As she begins to dig into Miss Edie's mystery, she soon discovers some shocking surprises about her family's history and her own future. And she meets a man with his own mysterious past. And spoiler alert, it's not that mysterious. It's not not a mysterious past. It's a very basic, obvious past that one would have. It is the, it's like a garden variety amount of mystery that any human should have when living a life. Yes, yes. But you know what? Sometimes when you spend your life just going to operas and Paris and pretending that you're really fancy when you really live with people that ride motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just find things a little bit more mysterious. Scandalizing? Mm-hmm. Scandalizing, yes. Right. There's a lot of clutching the pearls moments oh, in this book. Oh, so, like, why didn't, I forgot to put my pearls on. I, yeah, and your what twin set. What would I clutch? <laughs> my <laughs> twin set. <laughs> Matching earrings. Yeah. Yes. So, this is a book by Jude Devereaux, and, and, um, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about Jude? She's classic, famous. If you read romance. famous romance novel. Um, Jude has written over 40 New York Times bestsellers and is actually one of my mother's favorite authors. So I've always known of her, but I've never read her myself until this moment. Um, She was honored with a Romantic Times Pioneer Award in 2013 for her distinguished career and has more than 60 million copies of her books in print worldwide. She grew up in a small town outside Louisville, Kentucky. She graduated from universities with a bachelor's of art. It's always useful. Mm-hmm. Definitely do that. Um, and then she moved to Santa Fe. Unfortunately, wasn't able to find a job in the arts, but she became a fifth grade teacher and then t- continued to take graduate courses in the summer. And she has an origin story, which I actually really love and I think okay. is kind of appropriate to our podcast. Okay. Um, so basically... Every Friday, Miss Devereaux would take herself to the local bookstore and buy two paperback novels and would stay up all night reading them. And one night, both of the books ended up being rape sagas, which basically means that the hero rapes a woman until she says she loves him. Mm. And, you know, Jude set those books down and as she was turning out the light, thought to herself, this seems... Like, it could be done differently. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about these rape sagas. Right. And so then she started writing. And she wrote her first first book over a process of about two years, writing it all down by hand. She gave the pages to her next-door neighbor, a young teenage girl, to type them all up because she didn't have the ability to do that herself. And just sent them off to Avon Books because she thought that they had pretty covers (laughs) and had no idea what a literary agent was. And Avon Books, about a month later, wrote back and said, we want to publish you. Oh. And so the very next day, she quit her job as a teacher and was like, I'm writing books now. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so she got published by Avon, and she decided, that's it. I'm going to throw... I'm going to be a writer. I'm doing this. Well, once Avon says yes, I mean... Yes. You got to. You got to (laughs) follow what you're obviously good at. Um, Besides... Writing, Jude loves to travel the world and photograph her adventures, and she swears she writes better on a cruise ship than she does on land, which I understand. I personally love cruise ships. I know they're a very divisive (sighs) subject, but, you know, anywhere where I can hang around, dancing, drinking, lounging, singing in a piano bar... I'm on board. <laughs> you should go to New York City. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 
Los Angeles. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe. I don't I get, know. I but get I it. You're on the every day. You're on the sea, and I get to feast. And you get as to like, well. Okay, they make amazing food. Like not the buffets, but the the food that they serve you is real fancy. I cannot relate at all, as I have never been on a cruise ship. But they look very festive. So festive. Yeah. And then, like, when you get to really exciting places, you go on adventures in the port, and that's the good part, too. So, Moo Stingrays. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you can find her online at judevereaux.com, on Facebook and Instagram at judevereaux, and you can follow her on Twitter at judevereaux1. I love that. I love that she has tacked a one on the end. Who's judevereaux on Twitter? Well, you know? <laughs> it's probably someone, like, got to it before she did, you yeah, know? Yeah, Which yeah. Is the worst. Don't steal someone else's thing. Like, I especially when it's like a really unique name. I'm sure yeah, there are a ton of other Jude Devereaux out there. Seems pretty <laughs> unique. Yeah. So she's okay. So she's got quite the origin story, and it, I mean, yeah. that's that's like a that's a sweet beginning to wanting to make a difference in the romance novel genre. Yeah, and for sure. it, it really rang true with me because we are we had the same things. We're like we kind of enjoy these things, but wow, are they problematic? And yeah. she's like, well gonna do something about it and for her it's writing books for us it's doing a podcast exactly yeah and just so you know her newest book chance of a lifetime co-written with tara sheets actually just came out last week on september 15th so the catch line is in one century she loved him madly and in another she wanted nothing to do with him and i'm intrigued that sounds about right. Like, I feel like there's a lot of men out there who, if I met them a century ago, I would want nothing to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, if it's about a man, it's about well, a man, right? It sound, well, it's like, like a relationship okay, okay. between, she loved him madly, and like, it's like time travel and alternate timelines, and it's, I guess, going to be the first of a series, so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're covering her book today, Lavender Morning. Gosh, I have a lot to say about this book. So much to say. Yeah. Let's start out with our ratings. Yeah, we start our episode with our rating systems. We go over spice, we go over tropes, so we go over the overall rating. So let's start with the spice rating. Rachel, what was your spice rating for this? This is the level of intimacy, the buildup, the anticipation, yeah. the, the yes, the sex, so but all the stuff. All the stuff. I gave it a 1.5. Like, there mm. was the tiniest bit of it. Like they're like the split moments of there being like a sexy moment. I was like, "Ooh, that was nice," but they are very few and far between. And uh, this, yeah, I gave it a one, and <laughs> I feel like that's a courtesy. This was to me like, and you know, I I know that her historic like Jude Devereaux's historical romance books are 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 pretty famous and like well loved. Um, but this contemporary romance, though, which it just did not feel sp- – there was really nothing – no heat, no – I mean, I think towards the end with the main characters, I was like, okay, I sense that they're into each other, but there's something so puritan and, like, it almost yeah. felt like – this This reminds me of a book, like, and I, I – It was more like, like smoldering looks. Smoldering looks, but – Barely. Like a like moment of smoldering. A moment. Of, yeah, it's very like, it, this is church safe. This yes. book is church safe. You can safe. read this in church and everyone will be like, oh, this is perfectly fine and good. What a lovely young woman. Yes. Yeah. So She's such a good, perfect girl. Yeah. So I gave it a one. Yeah. Yeah. And then even like when there was tension, I almost felt like some of the things that they have 
pop up to be the tension between them. It was just so unnecessary. Like the things that were got the people frustrated and yeah, we'll talk oh, more about yeah, it. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that. Cause like some of it just didn't make sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Tropes. Tropes. It was trope-tastic. Oh my gosh. This was five alarm trope. So, uh, yeah, everywhere, around every corner. So uh, I think we both gave it. A 4.5. A 4.5. Out of five. These are all out of five. Yes. So we had a lot of things here. Like, she was practically an orphan. I know she wasn't actually an orphan, but she basically was painted as Cinderella. Right. So I also called out the fairy tale aspect of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, love triangle, though I found it kind of a weak and lackluster love triangle because you didn't even like you as a reader were like this corner doesn't even count. Why are you even looking at this? The person? stakes were not high. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yep. Uh, fish out of water because she goes to this new town and doesn't mm-hmm. fit in. Uh, girl squad because she picks up her. People share in her house with her, and they become like, oh, let's do all this stuff to help each other out until one of them gets a boyfriend, and that's a weird <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um, secret lost heir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> I think for me, the biggest trope of this whole thing was the perfect aspect. This this whole novel, whatever, book, it felt very Stepford-y. Like, the whole town of Adelion perfect. felt perfect. very white. It felt very blonde. It felt very, like upper socioeconomic socioeconomic statusy like no one really like obviously you know miss edie who's kind of the the matriarch of the story went through some shit you know we'll get into that but it's like overall i just felt like there was a lot of like uh like it was uncomfortably like rich people with like kind of having problems but they didn't really have problems yeah and they were so Perfect, and it's very classist. Like yeah. everything, in the, everyone in the book was like very much Super like classist. Ugh. And um, one thing I found interesting is like even when you watch now like a Hallmark movie, they'll have like you know the gay best friend or something like that. <sighs> Those so, or stereotypes, like the stereotypes, <sighs> or even just like like their token bit of um, color, like person of color. And this one was just not. There was none of that. Even like this is just an all white town of rich people who all know yeah. each other's business. It's like it sounds like hell, honestly. Like I, I don't. I that's why I think it took me. A, I'll say this later. I, I get into this more later. It was really hard for me. I almost DNF'd it. Didn't finish. Did not finish. Because mm-hmm. I was like, this sounds like hell. Like this just is so weird. I just felt like I, I felt like if this book would have made a, a turn halfway through and all of a sudden these people were out to kill her or <laughs> sacrifice her, that would be exciting. I would have been like, oh shit, okay, I, I'm down with this. So, but it didn't. It just continued to be like a Hallmark after school special about, I don't know, inheriting a mansion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. So, so our overall ratings. Yeah. Like, I actually gave it a little bit higher because... <laughs> Um, like I gave it a 3.5. It wasn't particularly original. Definitely not my favorite. There wasn't a lot that I liked about it in like it being a romance romance, but I kind of enjoyed it in the way that I enjoy a Hallmark movie where within the first two chapters, I kind of told Jesse, I'm like, this is what's going to (laughs) happen. 
And then it did. It <laughs> you know your hallmark. But like I play this game around the holidays with my cousin and my aunts <laughs> where we're all like around for Thanksgiving and the Hallmark movies come on. And if it's one I haven't seen after like the first 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, here's going to what happen. What's going to happen? And if we like try to predict which way it's going to go, because there is a definite equation to it. So that's kind of what I felt like reading this. And so it's like not the biggest literary amazing thing but at least I did have some fun reading it while also being like I'm so frustrated by how ridiculous this is yeah yeah you know and I I also love like trashy or um hallmark movies too and I think like I just I I was expecting a little more um scandal um and I think like I would have been like I was hungry for more um I gave it a two out of five it was a hard read for me like I said almost didn't finish um I the, a part of the story is um, Jocelyn kind of finding out Miss Edie's mystery past and her mystery. story and her, her love life. And it goes back in time, kind of goes back in time a couple times and mm-hmm. shows Miss Edie's love story with David, which we'll get into. I actually really enjoyed those parts. And maybe this kind of speaks to I've actually read in you know several reviews. I went around and looked at them after I finished. And a lot of people say like, oh, I actually really love Jude. Devereaux's historical romances, but these contemporary ones aren't doing it for me. And yep. maybe, I don't know, some people have a knack for certain things, and I wonder if that's what that is, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you yeah. had mentioned when we first kind of chosen out as well that you had seen somewhere where Jude Devereaux herself had said yes. something about, like, I've learned that I'm not great at contemporary. <laughs> or Yeah, she was kind of like, I've learned that, you know, I that's just not my, you know, I'm better it's at historical romance. That's what, that's what I do. <laughs> I learned my lesson. But yeah, and so I, I know that I've read, I must have skimmed or read some Jude Devereaux novels before. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I grew up with my aunt. She just had walls of romance novels, all Nora Roberts, all Jude Devereaux. Right. So I must have read some of her books because her name sounds very familiar to me, but I don't remember which ones I read um, because a long time ago. But I I enjoyed some of those anyway. And I would be curious to see this one was actually written in 2009. Yeah. So it's a contemporary story, but also it is like not contemporary written, you know, in the 90s or in the 80s. It was contemporary written about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been writing for much longer than that. So I would be curious to also see not only the difference between her historical romances and contemporary romances, but also maybe how she wrote differently when she was younger yeah. than now. Right. And I will say that for being a contemporary romance, this the tone of this book felt very 1950s to me. Oh, yes. It, we... This is not a realistic now. <laughs> no. I mean, not if you're a 20-some-year-old woman. And I know I'm a 30-some-year-old woman, but I this is not a 20-some-year-old woman. <laughs> no. Yeah. So let's get into the characters. Yes. Um, our main characters. Our, our main character is Jocelyn. 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 Such a romantic name. It is. Um, I have a quote that I want to read that I think sums up Jocelyn. So she's Miss... Well, she's perfect. perfect. We'll call her that. So um, the quote says, she was dressed conservatively in a skirt and an ironed white cotton blouse, just the way Miss Edie had taught her. Her hair shoulder length. Oh, wait, sorry. Her shoulder length, dark blonde hair was pulled back with a headband and she had she had on very little makeup. All she knew about the town of Adelion, Virginia, was that Miss Edie had grown up there, so Jocelyn didn't want to arrive in jeans and a tube top and shock the locals. Oh, goodness, that would be horrible. 
So, I mean, okay. You know, yeah. okay. I that's think that's even Jocelyn. one of the characters refers to her as Alice, like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And you can definitely see that in that imagery of, like, the long blonde hair wearing a headband. Like, who wears headbands? Like, yeah, like in the Alice in Wonderland. No one. I mean, no one. Yeah. I, 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 if you wore a headband in 2009, I'd like to see it. And I don't know exactly how old she is, but, like, I'll say 26. As a 26-year-old woman, if you're getting your lessons on how to dress from an 80-year-old woman, I have concerns. It depends on who the 80-year-old woman is, but Miss Edie was definitely, like, kind of, like, khaki trousers, like, pearls and a twin set. You know, she was a cardigan, you know, everything starched. Yeah, you know, ironed, <laughs> ironed. Yeah, <laughs> wrinkles are a lazy person. Lazy, lazy. And how could you? Exactly. It's just very. Yeah, and, it's and weird. don't even like buy the fabrics that don't wrinkle. No, you should still buy these crisp fabrics, and you should iron them. Yeah, and so that's who Jocelyn is. Um, she is. It's it's really hard. It gets kind of complicated, like who she is. But basically, she's this little girl in the beginning of the book that meets Miss Edie. She's connected to Miss Edie from um, a family friend. So Jocelyn's mother, Miss Claire, has died. Yes. And And so her grandparents (laughs) were friends with this Alex guy. And so he reaches out to Miss Edie and is like, hey, I know you don't want to come back to... Leon and your thing with your doctor wandering around the world healing people has come to an end because Edie did some amazing things and I would love if you'd be interested in going and being like the executor of this trust and then also kind of keeping an eye on this little girl little girl that is very important to some of my friends and so it's Edie falls in love with her instantly upon meeting her. She's like, oh, this poor child is just bogged down with this family that is so beneath her. It's it's true. And you, you may think we're exaggerating, but the way that in the beginning of the book, first of all, the book is kind of the it's it's set. It's like third person narration. And it's very much like. And then you'll never guess what happened. Reader, the story goes on like it's very much like this kind of like. Miss Edie went down and she took care of that child. And wow, the child did love her, yes. you know, and it was, you know, so it's like it's basically talking about how Miss Edie connects to little Jocelyn and kind of adopts her as like a surrogate granddaughter. More on that later and raises her because Jocelyn's father, she lives down the street. Jocelyn's father is just He's a mechanic. He's a mechanic. He cannot provide for the child. No, not in an emotional and cultural way. Right. I mean, and I think it's like, I feel like we're kind of going in circles here, but but that's what it's it was actually very confusing for me to like read this and I'm like, okay, why is Miss Edie helping Jocelyn? Why did she suddenly move to Florida just to to take care of a house that her friend owns? And also, oh, by the way, watch this girl two doors down. She's got a dad who's a mechanic and two sluts for stepsisters. Yeah, we can't you know, let her be just, ruined by that. Exactly. Kind of like save this poor child from yeah. a dad who even in the book seems to care about her he's just yeah he's he's not rich like i'm sorry like you know so then he kind of lets his wife lead things and his wife is all about the 
daughters, the right. her twin daughters. And so, like, it's very Cinderella feeling. Yeah, It's Claire's, that where yeah. you're like, why isn't the father actually being more loving? But okay. Yeah, Jocelyn's um, mother dies and then... Uh, as we said in the description, she was a woman of taste, apparently. Yes. But then after she died, her husband, who was like very beneath her, kind of a handyman, uh, yeah. went back to his ways yes. and like it married says, another woman. Her father has reverted. He remarried a woman with identical twin daughters and they ride motorcycles together. <gasps> and Edie is just like, oh, it's worse dear than God, I thought. No. <laughs> and then this is like what? seriously, like this is. It the, wasn't trying to be funny. It was. I think it was serious. And it, this is the prologue. <gasps> this is the prologue. Like it's very judgy from the very beginning. Like how judgy Miss Edie is, and then how judgy Jocelyn is, and Jocelyn is it throughout. But like even in the prologue, they said this other thing that I personally felt attacked by. When her family went to Disney World, Edie took Jocelyn to New York to the Metropolitan Opera, and I'm like, um. I um I would have been I would have rather gone to Disney World too. Right. Um, not that you know the Met Opera isn't wonderful because it is, but I really like Disney World exactly. And, and then after that, it says when her stepsisters were wearing short shorts to show off their long legs, Jocelyn was wearing Edie's pearls with a twin set. <laughs> Another thing, Miss Edie says, smiling, Edie thought how her life plan for Jocelyn excluded those too tall two skinny stepsisters who paraded around with next to no clothes on. Basically they're whores, you guys. Yeah. That those girls had become a quote unquote famous, a term Miss Edie detested, said much more about the modern world. No joke. This is the prologue. (laughs) This is setting the scene for the the players in this book. So Jocelyn was raised essentially by this like older woman who taught her quote unquote the finer things in life. And and I think Jocelyn kind of picked, she she picked up on the scent and she hated her family. She was like, what's that girl's name in the Munsters? Who's like oh, the the cousin? The one that's kind of normal. Yeah, she's like a norm core, and they're all months. They're all monsters. Yeah, so and she's like resents all of them, right? And they're all kind of like, eh, it's not our fault. You're weird, but she's actually quote unquote the normal one. Yeah, I don't know. That's how I felt like Jocelyn felt about her family. So she really gravitated yeah. to Edie and like basically lived with her and went to the opera and wore pearls and was pretty much I'm a refined person and you're not. You smell like oil, <laughs> <laughs> and that's dirty. Exactly. So and so, yeah. yeah, okay, that's Jocelyn. Well, that's Jocelyn. Our main girl. So obviously we have some problems identifying with her. <laughs> I yeah, zero percent identify with her. Zero identification with this person, which can make a read a little bit more challenging. Right. Um and then we have the love interests, which there's, which there are two. two. Right. First of all, we have Ramsey, who Edie declares in a letter uh after she dies to Jocelyn that this is the man for you and you know I'm always right about who I set up and you're gonna like Ramsey he's attractive he's a lawyer and you are going to fall deeply in love with him yeah he's the man for you and and yeah when she dies she gives Jocelyn that letter and says like hey this is what you got to do and she introduces Ramsey Ramsey is very similar to Jocelyn in that he's he's just kind of basic like I don't really I can't really I know he's handsome, quote unquote. I'm doing handsome? air quotes. So, like, they also describe him as being like a little bit more like, you know, particularly fit. Oh yeah, like he has like a layer of chub to him. Yeah, but he's I still so like, attractive. I um, what was up with that? Yeah, it was like they were clearly trying to like kind of say like, uh, you're not 
He's all that in a bag of chips <laughs> yeah. or something. And I was like, what? Which okay, kind of makes sense because of the love triangle. But he's sure. definitely, he's pitched as the perfect one. He's rich. Like, he has the good name. Mm-hmm. If they got together with his family money and her having the house, they would be the perfectly perfect couple. See, again, this just all ends with Jocelyn strapped to a table under a full moon for me. Like, <laughs> sacrifice, sacrifice so, the virgin. And so, for the record, Ramsey, his grandfather is Alexander McDowell. And Alexander McDowell is the one who told Miss Edie to go watch Jocelyn. Yes. Go take care of this trust in Florida. And by the way, two doors down, there's this little girl you have to take care of. So yes. that just that's important information to know. Important information to know. Um, and what we also find out is that Miss Edie and Alex had been communicating, writing back and forth letters to each other, her often talking about Jocelyn. And so Ramsey has fallen in love with her oh. by reading these letters because he had to read them to his grandfather. Yeah. There's there's a there's a quote, I don't remember where it is, but essentially, you know, once Miss Edie dies, Jocelyn's in tatters because, you know, she's just grieving and gets the letter and finds out this is her fate. So she has to go down to Dillian and accept this mansion. Um, Ramsey calls her on the phone or she calls Ramsey because he's the lawyer attached to all the legal work for this case. And he says, like, I've seen a picture of you or something like that. How long ago was that taken? And she, she was like, oh, the one in the bathing suit? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, gee, tell me how long ago that was taken. And she goes, she kind of like thinks and she goes, well, it was taken many years ago. Even and though like, it was taken like the summer prior. Yeah, she plays like these little games because she's trying to be coy. She wouldn't yeah. be caught dead being like forward with a man, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like. Oh, and you, in the basically in the book, as you could, could tell, hear the drop in his voice. Like he wasn't as mo- he wasn't excited anymore. Because like God forbid that was five years ago. He's yeah. just like, oh my who god, knows what she could look like she could now. Be a hag now, yeah. You know, she- <laughs> anyway, that's Ramsey. So, and then our third corner of the triangle is Luke. Luke. Luke, who reminds me a lot of Luke in Gilmore Girls. He's like yes. more gruff, like kind of. This guy is a gardener. And he just likes to work with the land and he's kind of rude, kind of an ass. Yeah. But also not like an ass in any horrible way, just like an ass in like he's standoffish and he's uh, he, he's dry um, and he's crotchety. Um, he's a little crotchety, but he's got a firm moral compass that's for sure he's got more personality than ramsey i actually didn't mind luke he was he was fine i mean he's like a little on the like i think when he he compliments jocelyn in a way i guess but he's very masculine good with the hands and he's also sarah and ramsey's cousin everyone in this book besides jocelyn is related to each other yes they are part of the small village family web it's very incestuous okay so luke is there he's 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 kind of the antagonist in a way because he's he's not the perfect one for jocelyn but you can tell there's an instant kind of chemistry between them when she gets there because despite being raised to be prim and proper there's something in her and in her blood yeah that means that she's always going to be attracted to someone beneath her Right, because like she, her mom was a, a woman who went to private schools, but then she ended up marrying some guy who worked at the a country club. Man. Yeah, and um, so she kind of has a, this chip on her shoulder that she has to marry well, yes. someone who she can have children with. Yes, I mean it's it's really kind. I, I don't identify with. It. I'm like oh, okay. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so yeah. There we go. Those are our main three. And, and then there's Miss Edie, of course. But well, we're, yes. this story is partially about Miss Edie. It because is. it's, like, also her history. Yes, and we kind of already talked about, like, her and her judgmentalness. I guess one of the other things that you kind of find out further into the book is, really, she seemed kind of badass in her youth. Like, oh, yeah. She was a woman that joined the war effort, but not just, like, here taking over stuff by, like, going overseas and doing really interesting things. Right. And getting into spy-like situations and so it's really interesting to me that someone that was so, like, adventurous yeah. and then spent many of her her years after that traveling around the world assisting a doctor, that she was still so close-minded yeah. and judgy. Because I feel like, for me, one of the biggest things that opened me up as a person was doing international travel, seeing other cultures or places that are less fortunate than myself. Like, I feel like that opened me up in a way that really kind of took away a big amount of judginess that I had when I was younger. And right. that did not happen with Miss Edie, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, it's that little bubble she lived in. Um, but the, when the book starts off, there's a couple things you know about Edie. One is that she's close to death. Two is that she came from this city that's named after her. Yep. You know, her family has long history there. They founded this small village, and that's a whole other story. But, like, and that she was engaged to David um, Alridge. Aldridge. Aldridge. And then went off to war to, to be in World War II in the 40s. And when she came back, her heart was broken because he had married Mary Alice. Yes. And then she had all these burns on her legs, which is, is terribly sad, and then kind of left Adelion and... In shame. In shame. And she didn't want to be... I guess her parents had died. I mean, and she left the manor in charge, her brother's charge. He was not a very noble person. And she kind of just spent her life traveling the world with a broken heart, but helping others and then taking care of Jocelyn. Yes. But we find out much later that a lot of this isn't true. And that's sort of what Jocelyn finds out in her time in Adelion. And she has struggles with that. She's she's just she's betrayed. She's right. hurt. She doesn't know this woman that she trusted all her life. Yeah, like, I mean, Miss Edie had to have known. She was like, here, sweetie, here's the house. And, you know, in the attic are all these diaries and Jocelyn's just like, holy shit, like, none of this was really even true. First of all, she when she gets there, she finds out David, oh, um, wait, doesn't she? So her first day, she's talking with Sarah, and yeah. she finds out that Dave, the whole thing about David marrying Mary Alice. Yeah. And she hadn't known that. She was like, wait, no, David died. Yes. In the war. Yes. And then she's just like, oh, oh, my goodness, like. There was actually a quote about it. Yes, okay. But now Jocelyn was finding out that Miss Edie's great love story was just a tawdry affair. The men had jilted her for another woman. <laughs> it was just... It, it, she's very dramatic about it, calling like this a tawdry affair. And it's like, no, even with the way they described it, it was like they were together, but then did different things for the war, and while she was away, he married another woman. There was no affair that happened between her and the David guy, so even her judgment there with her not having the whole story was like, 
You are so judgy. Yeah, it, she's just judgy, and she just has these like really myopic viewpoints, and it was it was bad. And so yeah, she she starts to slowly as she gets to know the people in the town, and everyone in that town wants to know about Jocelyn because of course the town's named after Miss Edie. Her her mansion was like the estate of the town. It's a very small town, so they're like basically who's moving into the castle? Who's moving in? What are they going to do to it? Oh my goodness, some of the things like they said where everyone assumed she was going to turn it into a bed and breakfast. Yeah. And I felt personally attacked by this because there was a point in my life when all I wanted to do was buy a bed and breakfast near Colonial Williamsburg and okay. run it. And I would go online <laughs> and I would search for bed and breakfast for sale. And then I would just dream about buying these bed and breakfasts and... <laughs> Are you sure you don't identify with Jocelyn? But I, she didn't want to do that. She didn't. She's she like, to do I will anything, not do that. Really. And apparently, you get judged if you want to do that. So I guess I don't want to do that anymore. They're purists. <laughs> They're everyone in this town is a purist. They would have been aghast if she modernized the house with recessed lighting. Even they were, mm -hmm. you know. So when she got there, I mean, she like received just people would come over and be like. Hi, I'm Mary Lou, or I'm Kim, and I've brought you this jello mold. Like, it just straight now you up, have like, to let me into your house and oh, show not, me around. Not busy, are you? You know what I mean? She's just like, uh, I gotta go. The door is open. You can put the food in there. And she just, it just, I don't know, it's really weird. She just leaves and like lets the people put the food down and make their mind up about her. And yeah. she's like, they probably think I'm a bitch, but I don't care. <laughs> it's just, it's really like, I, if this book had been set in 1950, I actually think I would have been like, okay, this, this makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was not set in 1950. It was set now. Yeah, like, they have fax machines and shit. I'm like, this is not okay. Like, did, did time stop in Adelian? She even says that at one point. But yeah, so, and then there's, I feel like this book, we can't really even go through it step by step because there's a lot that happens, but really nothing happens. Yes. So basically the overarching story is that she's come to this new town that she's going to make her home. She is looking for her man. She also then gets thrown a curveball because she finds out that there is no money that is left with this house. Exactly. Yeah. So Ramsey, the lawyer, is courting her and he's courting her hard. Like, Super hard. But in a way that feels really forced, forced and almost like arranged you yeah know? it's like an arranged marriage like the the first night she gets there he has like he he makes a picnic for her on the floor of the yeah. house makes her the one dish he knows and like makes her fondue chocolate with strawberries yeah. and they talk about they kind of jokingly stumble upon the subject of children and yeah. he's like oh my mother would just my mother can't hear this she'd be too happy and yeah. she's like and then they run out of things then they run out of things to say but then also it's really funny she's like do you go to church i saw a church i miss going and he's like don't let my mother hear you say that she'll be too pleased as well i'll see you in the morning like i'll yeah. see you at church see you tomorrow, tomorrow. For church. He actually, didn't he like, also, like, suggest picking her up? And then she's like, no, I'll meet you there. She's very much like... Playing I'm coy. A, I'm not a whore. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, like, she's very, like, it's it, the book is very slut-shamey. It's very slut-shamey. And then it's also very much... Or at least the I tone mean, is. And they're probably, she's probably trying to draw a comparison between how she is with Ramsay and how she is with Luke. But with Ramsay, she's never being 
herself. She puts on a weird front. She's extra conservative. Like when she's getting dressed, she's like, oh, I'm going to wear this because he seems to like a conservative dress. Um, She doesn't want to show her emotion in front of him. She has a whole conversation with Luke about it. She's like, well, I had to like keep that inside. I couldn't talk about it. How disappointed I was. There was no money in front of Ramsey. I don't want him to judge me. But she was able to like show her true self in front of Luke. Um, And then (laughs) even like, then she was like, eating food with him and he's like didn't you just eat with him and she's like i couldn't eat a full meal in front of him he would think i was a pig or something like that and i'm like yeah a relationship where you can't eat food in front of the person you like i mean that i guess like that's a really real thing like i was that way when i was 13 with my first yeah well first boyfriend yeah yeah i i so my first girlfriend i was like totally comfortable with this is a lot foreshadowing there yeah but my um there's a funny thing that my friends always knew who i had a crush on because i would eat my pizza normal in front of them um and now i eat my pizza normal but back in the day i used to like pick off the cheese and eat the cheese and then wipe off the sauce and then like eat the fluffy part of the bread off the bottom part of the bread (laughs) but i'm like I can only do this when I'm with my besties. But if my crush is right, I'm going to just eat this like a normal piece of pizza. Wait, that's how you eat pizza? I, not now. <laughs> when I was younger. What do you think is the normal way to eat pizza? To pick it up and take a bite of it. Okay, okay. I was, just, <laughs> I was wondering. Because I was like, I got confused there because I was thinking like you thought like the normal way is to dissect it. Oh, no, no, no. That was the oh, weird okay. way to eat it. And that's what I did. Yeah. I would pick off the cheese because I never wanted to eat all the cheese. Like I okay. just wanted some of the cheese. So I would just. I'm more of a sauce. Like the bread's just more of a vehicle. Well, for and the I sauce. always put too much sauce on it. So I had Not to wipe off some never of the sauce. Never enough. And then I don't like crust so much so that I would eat the fluffy parts off of the bottom because I'm like, oh, that's more crust. I don't want it. There's two types of people. I guess one is me. I like Chicago deep deep dish. Mm. I like saw. So- I like I like chunks of sauce on my bread. And then there's me, and I yeah. like artichoke hearts. You just like artichoke hearts <laughs> on, on bread. Put it in my mouth. Bread. <laughs> yeah. So right. So she's she's you know she can't be herself around Ramsey and Luke. For the record, he's the gardener on the estate, so he's just around, and he kind of gets in her hair. Like, there's a lot of, like, enemies to lovers, but they're not even, yeah. like, enemies. It's, it's more like enemies. They're, it's like, more like, pesky. Yeah, pesky. You're a hassle. You're you a kind hassle. of annoy me. And you're so, you, you know. You spilled mustard on my nice white dress. Exactly. my date. Exactly. And apparently there is a lot of competitiveness between him and Ramsey. Luke and Ramsey, yeah. So I feel like there was also an element to him being even more intrigued by her because he was told by his mother to stay away from her. Luke was told, she is for Ramsey. Step down, Luke. Right. And I think one thing we did forget, which we always do because we're humans, we forgot to talk about was at the beginning of the book, Miss Edie called up Luke's mother. Yes. And the way they do this, like she is hardly in any other part of the book. So I feel like you're basically meant to forget that aspect. But she's like, come on down. I have a plan. But then the fact that Luke's mother is like, Luke, stay away from her. It's like, well, is she on Ramsey's side? Of course, my... The thing I came to about two chapters in was I turned to Jesse and I was like, 
So what's going to happen is that Miss Edie knows that it's not Ramsey. She knows that Luke is the guy for her. But she knows that Jocelyn is contrary, and if she says who she has to be with, she's not going to want to be with him, because Jocelyn talks about that, how she'd been in relationships and would always run away when it got too serious or when it felt like what she was supposed to do. Right, and right. So, like, so she's supposed to be with Luke. Luke is super competitive with Ramsey, so he's being told to stay away because then he'll be more intrigued by it and be like, oh. And they're, like, kind of thrusting them together by playing off of what their parental figures yeah. know will motivate them. And then they're going to be the ones that get together. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, and I, I, I kind of did forget about that. But when you told me, I'm like, you're probably right, honestly, because if Miss E, I mean, then again, I, I didn't have a lot of trust in Miss Edie at the beginning of the book based on the presentation of her. But I was like, if she thinks Ramsey is the fit for Jocelyn, I don't know who the fit for either of them are with anyone, but it doesn't seem like he's it. Definitely seems like Luke who kind of, they complement each other. Yeah. You know, like he's kind of, he keeps her grounded and she refines him. Yes. Though as it comes out, he doesn't even necessarily need that refinement. Like he's being a gardener by choice. He's actually super rich, you guys. Yeah, which you don't find out till the end of the book. And it's, I, I, I think like that was one of the things that I noticed about this book was like, surprise, everyone's rich. You know, surprise, like, like no one struggles. Like the dads are supportive, the moms are doting, and the sons are either lawyers or secretly multimillionaires. And it's like, you know, it's like at one point, Jocelyn's friend, Sarah, who lives in an apartment on Adelian Manor, they have apartments, that's how big this place is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like... I met a man. And she's like, oh, we don't, yeah, it's about a man, isn't it? And like, yes, I met a man. And uh, his name's Greg, and he's a real estate lawyer. Rich, not that it matters. And then Jocelyn goes, no, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to, like, kick him out of bed for it or something. You're not yeah. going to throw him out because of it. Go on. You yeah. know, it's, like, very, like, it's, like, everyone yeah. is just successful and comfortable as fuck in this small yes. town. Though I am intrigued because I think I am hopeful that Sarah's journey when she's in a book in the future will be getting out of what looks to me to be a toxic relationship with this Greg guy. I'm just like, alarm bells, he's super controlling. He's yeah. like, oh, you're going to do this now, and we're going to fuck all day, but I'm also going to help you open a uh, a store, but then I'm also going to tell you exactly how you have to do it. I'm going to control it, and like yeah. you can't even like hang out with your friends anymore. So hopefully her story will be like getting out of this toxicness I, and into something. It is. Even if it's like... This new thing she gets into, they won't have sex. Um, yeah. Not in, even till the end. It'll just be implied. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I haven't read any of their Idyllian books. I don't yeah. know if they're either. But I they're know more this songs. is what will happen. <laughs> yeah, based on what we've been given in this one. So, yeah, um, she does. I think that's, like, the premise of book three. Basically, if you want to read a series of books about, like, this small town and everyone in its business. This is it. This is the series yeah. for you. It's like very Stars Hollow. <laughs> yes, but like I feel like Rory and what's the other one's name? Lorelai. Lorelai. Mm. I mean, definitely they they were, were definitely real. more like feminist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> more, yeah, but like the town itself was very Stars Hollow. Like exactly. everyone knows each other's business. You got the people that've been there all their lives. I feel like I needed to put on like whenever there was like quirky small town moments in this book had I had like some background music that was like that kind of whimsical (laughs) music and I would have been like oh this is actually kind of funny but because I was like reading it in my bed or like on my couch I was like 
oh god this is creepy like I was just like <laughs> no like these people are like invasive and weird and myopic and like yeah, yeah. so anyway so uh, you know there's this love triangle going on uh Jocelyn's like who should I be with in my heart? And meanwhile, she's like finding out that Miss Edie was basically not at all the person she thought she was like she which and it's like it's not even that it's not even that crazy of a like a of a. Yeah, it's, it's that like, she didn't have money. It, right. And, then, and, <laughs> and she said that she loved David and then she finds out David wasn't the David that she thought it was. Davids. There are two Davids. And I don't it's, think she ever said the last name of the David that she was into. As it is. So, I mean, not yeah. really her fault. It, yeah. It, it does create a situation now, like a way of Jocelyn and Luke coming together. First of all, by her not having any money, there is the cupcake crisis. Oh, right. Like, oh, gosh, you guys. They find out she doesn't have any money. So then Luke's like, we're going to have a party. And you're going to sell cupcakes to everyone. And this was kind of started as well because in an effort to get closer to her, Ramsey basically admits to her that he was going to contrive what Tess, another, his like basically his secretary, called you should create a cupcake crisis where Jocelyn, there's a party and you need cupcakes. cupcakes. So you can be closer to her. You can talk to her. But and so he admits he's going to do this, but then that never happens. But instead, Luke is then like, hey, I like you need money. She I think she tells Luke about the cupcake crisis. You needed the cupcake crisis or you knew cupcakes. How much could you charge for those? And she's like, well, in New York, you can charge four seventy five a cupcake. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. Okay. I, and so then they start making cupcakes and then it becomes this big like event where the elite come out from Williamsburg and and she makes some money from it and like everyone's like these are amazing these are so good and then she's like I don't want to do cupcakes <laughs> and Tess is like well I'm really enjoying this so now I'm gonna do this yeah, on the weekend Tess also lives in an apartment in the house okay I, I have to like I I don't know how this was like an event in the book. I don't know. I think this was all just leading up to what we'll talk about in a minute, which is Luke's marriage. But oh yeah, that's yeah. coming up. But like, um Ramsey takes Jocelyn on a date and basically says there's no money. And she's like, Oh, that's fine. <laughs> she's like dying inside. And then he tells her about the cupcake crisis plan. I'm oh, sorry, I was gonna do this just to get close to you because you know I really like you, Jocelyn. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, and she's like, Well, if you really do want to make cupcakes, how do you think how how much can I get for them? And he's <laughs> like, at that moment, I was like, wait, is she asking like to get paid for hypothetical cupcakes, and he was like, "Well, she was like, I, I bet three twenty five is a good amount." And it's like, I don't know, like, but if a friend asks you to make cupcakes for you a party, charge them. Your your it. next thing is like, yeah, that'll be three twenty five each. And I mean, I get that maybe she's like a hustler, but it doesn't come off that way. It comes off as her kind of being like, what's the word? I'm like, kind of like just like tight and like fickle and like very uh. What's the where you're like really tight with money? Uh, penny pinching? Or? Penny pinching. But it's like, yeah, it's like also no one forced 
Jocelyn to come down to this house. Like, yes, she inherited a mansion. Did she have to immediately come down? No. Could she have looked for a job? Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She could have made a choice to just drop her chance to trust that Edie had a plan. And that Edie had $3 million for her. I'm going to hook you up with a man. Oh my, yeah, exactly. And then it's like, oh, by the way, there's no money. And it's like, <laughs> Edie didn't think to tell her that. I, I just, yeah. I just, it's a lot. And they didn't tell her until she came out. Like, why didn't they just look at that stuff before they she came out? It made no sense. None of it makes sense. So um, the cupcake crisis was ridiculous. It was like, I can't, okay, I guess. And then she puts spinach in the cupcakes. Because it's a sneaky way of making it healthy for the boys and girls. I, like, couldn't figure out what was the point of that. I'm like, is that supposed to make her look quirky? I think it was like, she's she's not from the small town. She has big ideas. I don't know. They should have dyed it purple. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, she has to make all these cupcakes. And it becomes a bonding thing for her and Luke, her kind Luke of. Bonds. Yeah. He, like, gets his father involved with it. Um, he becomes a really good project manager. The father does for the cupcakes. Yeah, Luke's dad seems really, really sweet. He does. He's seem retired like... and he still wants a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then the other thing we said, um, though, we think that the reason this cupcake crisis actually ended up being a thing was because then, because it spread, because it spread to the elite. One of the twin terror sisters shows up. With this other model. And we haven't really gotten into the twins, but like they're apparently complete rouges. Yes. And they're that's because money grabbers. They're models. They're like they're international slutty. models. Yeah. They're sexy. They've been married three times each. And, like, and when we say slutty, it's like, I don't even think we mean like we're calling them sluts. The book implies that they are yes, like no, less like, than less than like charactered women. Because they wear tube tops and they show skin. Yeah, it was annoying. It was so annoying. <laughs> it was very like, disempowering, I thought, to women. Yeah. Yeah. And it so was judgy. So weird. The judgment. So judgy. Jocelyn's like this perfect woman. Anyway, so at the at the cupcake party, it's like a children's birthday party, and Jocelyn makes like fifty thousand cupcakes and probably made good money, which she didn't yep. deserve because she just anyway, I whatever. Um she, the one of the stepsisters, her evil stepsisters from her past shows up and it's... Bringing another model who happens to be Luke's wife. Dun, dun, dun. Right, Luke has, has a wife. He has a wife. No one's told Jocelyn. Everyone, everyone knew. Everyone knew. And she's just like, oh, is that what... She basically then says like, oh, is that everyone's idea? Everyone, you know, saddle me with Luke so I, I don't get distracted. Distracted and from Ramsey, Ramsey and like that I don't like anyone else and, and Luke can't possibly like me because he's married and so she sits like Luke and Ramsey notice that she's upset and they follow her she leaves she's like forget this I'm leaving because her and Luke had had a couple heart to hearts in her kitchen till one in the morning and she felt the need to almost lean in and kiss him but then she was like oh and he was like quickly like no and now it makes sense because he's married. Yeah. But then she also knew just to make him a ham sandwich and hand him a beer at one in the morning. She's like, I know yeah. you're hungry. I know that you need this. I'm a caring woman. I care for men. Yeah. I'm a caretaker. And it was just like, it was weird. So she feels, I, I, I kind of could understand. She kind of feels like, well, I, I feel like I've been let on that there's something between me and Luke. But I know there's a triangle going on here. And they follow her and she basically tells them both to fuck off. Yep. Yeah. And the six weeks passes. Yeah. 
And she kind of discovers during this time that she likes Luke better. Yeah, she kind of misses Luke more than she misses Ramsay, which makes sense because Ramsay has done nothing but take her on two picnics and talk about stocks or something. I don't know. Yeah, and how perfect they would be as a couple. As a couple, we could make the most beautiful children. Most beautiful children. We could keep this house real nice. And we could have land. We'd We'd be the pillar of this community. (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, boring. I, I just, oh. Perfectly perfect, boring. Um, and Luke, he's married, but he has been, like, separated from this That's what you find out. That's pretty much forever. what she finds out because she gets asked to the home of his... Wait, how does she find this out again? Someone tells her. The, the grandfather. Grandpa, who was apparently Miss Edie's first love. And Yeah, she finally meets the original David. Yeah. And she likes him. He's like, he is a nice, feisty old guy. And he is like, let me tell you, he married a a wanton woman. She got <laughs> pregnant and then convinced him to marry her. And then she had an abortion. She's Satan. They need to get divorced. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. She was like, she got an abortion. an abortion like I will say I'm totally like pro-choice um and I do think what's coming next oh I was gonna say (laughs) if you are in a relationship with someone I don't feel like that's necessarily a decision you should be making on their own like it's not important the fact that you are taking someone's child from them I think that there has to be huge conversations not there and not just a big surprise of oh <laughs> I got rid of it yeah like, I mean I, guess I, I think it's always going to be ultimately you know, the woman's yeah. choice but also like at that point if you're going to be making those sorts of decisions you also need to be looking at like okay perhaps this isn't a relationship anymore right it was very clear from the get-go that she never really liked Luke I yeah, think she, she was like kind of used he was well off Right, which we don't know at the time, and no one tells Jocelyn at the time. They don't tell her no anything. one tells her anything. It's really weird. Maybe this is some sort of weird torture porn book, but because <laughs> she's just like, what? 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 what, what, what? But yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing is that they write. They write this Ingrid. That's her name. The model wife of Luke is that she's just kind of after him for his money, and she said she was quote unquote pregnant, but then got an abortion after he married her because he only married her because she was carrying his child because he's, he's a, a man, good man of integrity, and he yes. would not have married her otherwise. Um, but that's what you do, and um, so he. Whatever. And then now they've just been in shambles and, and separated because he doesn't trust her. He thinks that she's having an affair. And Yeah. It's chaotic. Know. And apparently she's only back because she's trying to cover her ass in a affair that she's been having with a married man. There's not enough background on There's, it. Like It's that, very vague. Like, they could have, like, started this storyline at the beginning of the book if she was interested in Luke and, like, kind of made it more deep and then given given more depth to Ingrid because like who knows what her story was maybe she's maybe she's not this person I don't know all we know is what Dr. Dave the grandpa said yeah. so it's it's a lot and so but then like what's funny about that is then it's just gone the, the, yeah. the basically and Luke, now they're being friends again yeah Luke basically goes and gets an annulment like why he didn't do that already I don't know well and they even before it gets like officially approved they have multiple moments where he's like, I just want to kiss you so bad right now. 
but I won't because I'm married still. He does, doesn't like they, they he have takes, one moment where he does. He takes her on a hike, and kisses her. Oh, the hike was cool. Yeah, I, liked, I was like, was, this is the date I want to go on. Yeah, yeah, like once. Okay, so six weeks passes. She's mad at both of them. Fuck off forever. But then she realizes she misses Luke. Then the grandpa comes and tells her all this shit. And then her and Luke kind of reunite because she makes him pot roast. And one he, of the <laughs> things that they're also doing, her and Luke, is finding out the real story. Right. Behind Miss Edie. This was actually halfway interesting for me. This yes, was fun. I was, was like, they were really piecing together Edie's life. Jocelyn's going to write a biography. The book goes back and they read, I guess, these these chapters of a book that Miss Edie was writing about her own life. I think they were letters, which was oh. weird because the way she they read them to us, it was like it was a book. But they were saying these were letters that she had sent back to, like, David and to Alex oh. and to people. So um, that's, I thought that was strange, the format of them, because I'm like, if I had written this as a letter, I would have been telling this in first person, not in yeah. third person. So like in the book, in this book that we're reading, they would say, are you ready to read the next part of Edie's story? And Shall her, I? Shall I? And they'd sit on like a bench together and read it. And then you turn the page and it was like chapter 11, 1944, London. And it would be like a story. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, is this a book that's been written? So it yeah. was just really hard to tell. But it was interesting. And it goes through Miss Edie's past in World War II. When she was interesting and awesome. And she was a bit of an ice queen still then still very entitled and classist yeah but she, she was, became more of a real person she did and i actually enjoyed her character like i think she was interesting like she was the secretary for this like really brute general and all the men were scared of him but wanted her she again that oh. perfect trope she was like she all was so legs perfect. long legs flowing hair blonde patrician Gorgeous beauty patrician. is what they called her yes which, for a second, can we also refer to, so, the first David um, had married Mary Alice while she was that away. That was her childhood love. And the way that they describe Mary Alice, they're like, oh my god. She's stout and dowdy. And but she like, loves her husband. Why are you being so mean to her? Yeah, like, she has no, and they, I mean, I couldn't even tell if I liked her or not because they literally gave her no character, so I don't even know yeah. who the fuck she is. It was and if she's the same age as Miss Edie, she's like in her 80s right now. So we, it's like, what? Since when are you going to have, like, leggy leggies, perfectly fit 80-year-olds? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But, yeah, it's And just, more judgment. More judgment. You know, it's, like, weird. It's like, this is good. This is bad. And, um, yeah, so they went back to Miss Edie's story back in 1944 and how she fell in love with the original David Clare. Well, right? He's not really the original. He's like, the other David was the sorry, original. But never mind. The, the actual the David, actual I think. Love of her the life, actual love of her life, David. David Claire. And they have a cute story. They do. I mean, it's 1944. There's, like, layers of sexism in it, obviously, because he's just like, I'm going to marry you. And she's like, um, get out of my way. I hate you. Which is like... Yes. <laughs> and then, like, eventually fun. wears her down by almost dying in a river. He, he never... Like, he doesn't really violate her space in any way though no, he's very he's super he's, respectful yeah, and she's like, just always like <laughs> he, when it wears him wears her down with like his constant kind of charm he's constantly yeah. like you sure are beautiful miss edie you know you sure are. and she's like keep driving and then they get into a bunch of hair-brained 
schemes together because they're yeah. on the war and she they're all like on a mission together. It's exciting. Yes. Like yeah. it's exciting. It's the best it's the most exciting part of the book. If the whole book was that, I probably would have been more interested. And it kind of gives you a taste of I think maybe why reading historical romances by Jude might be more yeah. my speed. Yeah, like, I honestly, I think I'd read a historical romance at this point. Like, seeing how she wrote, even in 1944, it's not even that historical. It's, like, mm-hmm. not that long ago. Um, I'm like, okay, that fit. But the contemporary stuff just didn't do it for me, which, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, and Luke, now back in 2009, Luke and S- Jocelyn yes. <laughs> are piecing this together. Piece it all together, but there's still something... Missing. nagging at Luke. He doesn't understand why Miss Edie would leave all this stuff to her or why Miss Edie was put in charge of the funds by Alex. So he kind of like disappears for days at a time trying to figure this out. And Jocelyn just had there being like, this is fine. She's like, bye. This is fine. It was it was weird because like this could have been an amazing opportunity for them to go on an adventure together. Yes. But she had to sit at home and wait while he did the sleuthing. Despite her being like a historical researcher. Yeah. By the way, that's her actual profession is she helps like basically write historical fiction and research and nonfiction. And so Luke starts gallivanting halfway across the world trying to find the answers because there's so many questions about Miss Edie's past. Why did Ramsey's grandfather, Alexander McDowell, just give her a house in Boca Raton to watch over uh, Jocelyn? Why, you know, why did she... Why is there so much confusion about the two Davids? Like, you know, (laughs) what's going on? Like, what was Miss Edie really up to? What happened? And it turns out, like, she actually didn't even really know what she was up to. Right. She ended up just liking Jocelyn... Because she went there as a friend and liked him. She had no idea. (gasps) Here it comes. That Jocelyn is her granddaughter (gasps) in real life. And David is not dead. David Clare is alive. Yeah. But they were separated. Oh, yes. I I don't know. And both thought the other was dead. And she was pregnant. And she thought she lost the baby. But she didn't lose the baby. It just got adopted by these rich, affluent people. And that was her mom, Jocelyn's mom. And so really they're related. Yeah, they're actually related. David Clare didn't die. Everyone thought he was dead. And even the letters, everything, every historical account they had read basically said that Clare had died in some accident. And then later on, poor Miss Edie was in some Jeep explosion accident. Where she got her burned legs and she almost died. She almost died. They actually thought she was going to die because of the infections. Yes. But she was actually nine months pregnant when this happened. So they, they, they must have maybe induced her birth or something and the baby was adopted out because they basically... They thought she was going to die. It's... They... Who... Okay, maybe it's just 1944, but she's not even dead yet. And they're like, they're like, who <laughs> take the baby away. away. <laughs> like, and so she was um, the baby, which was Jocelyn's mother, was adopted by this other family, and so Jocelyn had no idea. But somehow Alexander McDowell, that smarty pants, found he this out. Knew, but at some point, he forgot that he knew this because he got Alzheimer's. It's just the way the cookie crumbled, and it was so. And so he, could, he knew enough to send her down there to look after this young girl, but he didn't know enough to say, hey, that's your granddaughter. Um, so that I found a little bit weirdly confusing. <laughs> it's just, it was like a really, it's a big mess. Yeah. So this is kind of what 
well, Luke essentially brings back to her. It's not even like Jocelyn does a lot of the research herself, but then like Luke is the one who goes to London, has his grandfather David go to such and such. And it's like they come back and they're like, well, Jocelyn, we've got some news for you. And they're like, here's you have a family. It was Miss Edie. She was your grandma. And Jocelyn's like, oh, my God. And they're like, and by the way. David Clare is not dead. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to call and, him on the phone? And he actually is really well off now because he like surprise. He was a mechanic because Miss Edie fell in love with a man who works with his hands, <laughs> and he started his own like chain of mechanics things and ended up really good, and well off, and he never ever got remarried. Surprise! He's rich. He's rich. What? You're, You're rich. rich. Jocelyn's crying like, oh, I never need the money, but thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> but in case it's not enough that you have a rich grandfather now, Luke's rich. Oh, Luke's so, also rich. Don't worry. Don't You're worry. You fine. are set for life. You're so set for life. The you end. never need to support yourself. The end. Like, yep. I'm not joking. That's the end of the book. That's the like, end. She calls David Clare up and and he's just like, I'm David Clare. You better not be joking with me about Miss Edie. And she's like, Miss Edie never died. I'm your granddaughter. (laughs) 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 And then he comes to Adelion and he's just like, Luke, you got your hands full with that one. And she's like, I'm sassy. but I'm just a bitch. (laughs) It's like, like, he's like, I know. And then, and then uh, whatever David's like, aren't you the uh, author? And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm rich. And she's like, how come you didn't tell me? And he was like, I didn't want you to be like Ingrid and just marry me for my money. Come here, sweetheart. Why don't you come over here? See how I can work with my hands. See how I can work with my hands. She goes, I agree. And that's how the fucking book ends. There's no sex. None. There's like three kisses. Two of them are weird. And it's, I mean, not that you have to have sex in a book, but it's like, I, I, I hit that last page and I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it just felt very judgy. Like, it sounds like I didn't have fun reading it. I did, but I also, I, I guess I just really like to complain about things too. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I, I, I like need a moment because like, I don't know if you're listening to this and you're probably like, wow, that was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was. It was. It's very sexist throughout. It was sexist. It was like just very problematic. And like, I don't know if we just the tone was off and maybe we weren't picking up on it It was supposed to be kind of silly. Yeah. I don't know if that was Miss Devereaux's intention. Because that's the thing about Hallmark movies. They always have an air of corniness about them. So even though it's they're incredibly problematic, it's like, "Eh, but this is kind of funny and silly. Yeah, yeah, and I, I almost feel like at least nowadays, recent Hallmark movies, they know that they're campy. Oh, yeah. They know what's going on. You kind of, they and they're kind of playing into that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I couldn't tell if the author of this book was trying to play into it and was like, you know, this is like just like a big steaming bowl of problematic kind yeah. of like 1950s tropes. Or, or if this is her now as a more mature woman mm-hmm. writing stuff that's not as identifiable for younger generations yeah i don't know i i mean i i absolutely you know don't know but that was my experience with this book and wow wow that (laughs) was an experience yes it was an experience as we're reading it we heard everything in a southern accent yeah very like um george Yes. George. Yes. 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 I'm bored in the house. 
I'm in the house bored. Yeah, like, it's very much like, George, I want to start a cupcake business. Oh, George, I never want to have a cupcake business. Like, very much like that old kind of, like, what is it called, Oklahoma accent? Oh, well, that's transatlantic. Transatlantic, Because it doesn't belong anywhere in reality. It's non-American. It's not English. The transatlantic accent is kind of how I heard Jocelyn and Luke talking to her. And he's like, you'll be fine, old girl. Like, at one point, Greg calls Jocelyn old, old girl. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, this is 2009. You don't call people that. That's not like, a thing. In 2009, it was like EDM was kind of a thing. Like Jocelyn should have had like a weird like online dating romance. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? But no. This, uh, but, yeah. you know, maybe this book was meant to be an escape. Maybe this yes. book was meant to be like kind of like if you like if the delicious yesteryear. values of yesteryear now, this yeah. is what it would be like. Maybe. I uh, I don't even know if that was that's I just like that. Who wants to go back? Like that doesn't seem very fun. Like basically, Jocelyn was like seized around like property. She even says it. She was. She was like being directed by others half the time, and then she doesn't have sex with this person that she's incredibly attracted to. Meanwhile, Sarah, who came across as super duper like prude, prude, and all that in the beginning, is banging so loud next door that like. Luke's dad goes next door to be like, you guys need to be quieter about your banging. <laughs> it was it was weird because, like, they were banging one day and Tess and Jocelyn are sitting in the kitchen and then they're, like, kind of, like, ha-ha, laughing, like, well, I guess we can hear them having sex again. And then Jim, which is Luke's dad, kind of storms in with, like, a project. And they're, like, and he, like, and then he overhears them talking about Sarah. And that's his niece, that's I his think. niece. And he's not going to have inappropriate inappropriate and he's like kind of takes one look at him and he he registers what they're talking about and then he leaves and they never hear sarah fucking again (laughs) that's all the context strange to have your uncle barge into your home and be like stop it stop it i don't know it's it's interesting for sure um doesn't it's nothing that i can identify with so i'm i'm excited to maybe in our next book have something that doesn't feel quite so foreign to me yeah, a little more attached to reality. Um, or maybe if it's not attached to reality, it's like maybe more magical. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. This was this was definitely detached from... And when I say that, like, uh, I mean, like, it just seems so old-worldy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like not the reality that I live in now. Even the reality I lived in in 2009. Yes. So, yeah. um, it, but if I guess if anything we've said to you, if you're into kind of like a 1950s Stars Hollow wholesome yesteryear yesteryear like i do think like if this were a movie i probably would have loved the soundtrack because i love Mm -hmm. like older soundtracks oh my goodness i'm watching lovecraft country right now and the soundtrack is just the best it's all like bluesy 60s oh cool so that I, i would probably like the soundtrack of this but um as a book, it just translated very strangely yeah. to me, sometimes uncomfortably so. So that's Lavender Morning. There's nine of these books, everyone. If you are interested in anything we've talked about, there are nine books in the Idyllian series. Go check yeah. them out. Tell Pretty us what sure you think of them. you can see the romance between Tess and Ramsey. Yeah. Sarah, where she ends up. And then maybe it does look back at some of these older ones. Like, they it, don't quite I will tell, tell you, you about- right now. Okay. I, I looked at them all last night because okay. I was like, where does this Who go? Where does this go? Like, do we uh, find out why Alex? I mean, I don't know. Helps be, I, I, they never told well, us. Well, he helps her because he found out that um, 
he wanted her to be close to his grand, her granddaughter, I think. Remember? Okay. Well, but they kept saying that, like, she had done something for him. And he even said, like, well, I can never thank you for it. And she's like, oh, don't mention it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, was like, I guess what yeah, right. did what she do that? for him? I don't know. They never answered that. So I was like, maybe there's some that go back in time. So does do any of them go back um, in time? So the, basically the second book is the original founding of the town, which was basically like a Scottish laird um, coerced this young woman into marriage and then uh, is is accused of kidnapping her. Spoiler alert, it's not a kidnap. She actually loves him. But they this have to is flee. not one of those rape stories. Yes. They have to flee to America <sighs> to keep her dowry, her gold, basically. Yeah. And that's how they start Adelian. Um, and then that's the second book. And then the third one is Sarah and Greg's story, but it's really more Sarah and this guy named Mike who shows Ooh, up in the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she does leave Told Greg. You. And then I kind of lose track, but it, it basically goes... There's there's never a Tess and a Ramsey book. There's never... Um, there's a book about Miss Edie's mother, I believe, oh. and Alexander McDowell, but I don't know. And maybe that's when we get it. But I don't know if it's that same Alexander McDowell because I there think there could it's, be many, many family names. Right. I think this is how their families became inter, interwoven and why Tess and Sarah or mm-hmm. Sarah and Ramsey and Luke are all cousins. I think that's how their families joined. Um, and then there's just a bunch of books about the Aldridge family falling in love with other people like childhood friends yeah so if you like this at all there is a lot of depth to get in and learn more about the town and the people if you read this book if you read lavender morning by jude Devereaux, and you want to talk to us about it please do yes you can find us you can find us online we're on instagram we're on twitter we have a facebook page and we have our gmail a real bodice ripper at gmail.com yeah uh write to us let us know is there a book that you would love to hear about and Mm -hmm. talk about let us know Um, you want us to rip it you want us to rip it apart we will we'll rip it apart just for you yeah and yeah. if you read this book and you have thoughts about it, I want to hear about them. So find us. We at the end of the at the thing we we share our Twitter we'll and Instagram reiterate and stuff. those. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I'll <sighs> see you in a couple of weeks. I know. We'll see you soon. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. Goodbye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to a real bodice ripper. Intro outro trailer music is Air by D Yan Key. You can find us and talk to us at the following. Instagram at A Real Bodice Ripper. Twitter at ARBR Podcast. Or email us at arealbodiceripper at gmail.com. Take a care. And many felicitations upon your household. <laughs> <laughs>